0: 25-40! Run, William! Run! He's got blockers in front. Five. Touchdown! Joshua Cribbs. He snap back. Ball down. can block. They blocked the kick. Okay, John. Looking at the Browns' defense, what was our strongest unit this past year?
1: Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because there there were some good pieces, and I, obviously, it's, uh, to me, that's the defensive line that really show, uh, shined quite brightly this year uh, you get miles garrett coming in there and after the, uh, the first four games after his injury provides a big time spark obviously it's a, a sack on his first play of the game had two sacks in that first game had seven for the year uh 40 total pressures and then you look at also emmanuel agba before he went down to injury was one of the better run defenders uh on the edge in in the nfl have had, had uh, was leading the the nfl in, in run stops his at, at an edge position. Um, up until that point, and then you look at the interior guys. Danny Shelton is a solid run defender. is uh, the nineteenth best graded uh, interior defender. That doesn't include just only defensive tackles. He was a top ten defensive tackle um, in in the NFL as a as the as a nose tackle. Then um, Larry Okunjobi, who it was a steal of a third round pick for for the Browns, uh, graded extremely well. If you look at if he were able to. Uh, have the more snaps. If you were to put into the starting role where um, Trevon Coley was playing and he had the same number of snaps and say, let's say he graded the same, uh, he would have been right up there with like a keen Hicks level type grading. Obviously one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL uh, and who, who signed a big time deal this past off season. So that's a unit that has a lot of good pieces. And then I think uh, moving forward is if Ogba can improve on his pass rushing and you know you, you look at Shelton and Ogunjobi just continue to play well. It's a unit that you can really build around for a defense, and um, and you can only expect Miles Garrett just to get even better. Uh, he created at about the same level as that Joey Bosa did and Khalil Mack did as rookies. So um, that's that's a huge plus to that to that defense, um, and it's just a unit you can build around.
2: Yeah, and, and I feel like of all the units on the defense, it's most it's most easy to get excited about that defensive line. It's young, it's quick, a lot of high draft picks, and you can tell the front office really turned a lot of attention to the defense and stopping the run and the D-line and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and I, I didn't even mention, you know, the, Caleb Brantley, who really came on strong at the end of, end of the year, a uh, guy that graded really well for us in college, and we ha- we had a second-round grade on him, and I think a lot of uh, draft analysts and experts out there had a had a top-three-round grade on him because of what the – I think it was – I can't remember what even what it was, but it was obviously he was dismissed, and he, and he wasn't at fault for the incident that it was reason why he dropped to the sixth round. So that's another spot where, hey, this is a guy that we really like. We think he's probably innocent, and they took him, and that was a good pick, I believe. So, John, I know a couple
0: of Browns players were in the top five in tackles at the linebacker position. Um, you know, Joe Show, Joe the Show, Showbert, and Christian Kirksey. Is that a product of they were that good, or
1: a product of they're on the field a lot? Um, so, it's it's a product it's a product of the of being on the field a lot and them playing well in run defense. Um, so, Joe Showbert graded quite well in run defense. Actually, the first six weeks of the year. Uh, he was pretty poor. He was one of the he was a bottom third of the league in grades. Uh, but then since that time, he really grew into the middle linebacker position uh, and and graded in the top 15 in our in our grades. And you look at at the final grading of the season, he was the 24th best uh, linebacker in run defense, 31st overall, um, and 35th in in pass coverage, which are all solid numbers. They're above average in terms of how many linebackers there are in the league. So uh, he's the guy that. You know, if you look at just from week six onward, um, you know, potentially was deserving of that bowl, bowl pro, Pro Bowl squad. So um, he's a guy that I think moving forward, you, you can be really excited about. He led the NFL in run stops, uh, which is you know, a stop is a defensive win. Uh, obviously, making a tackle for a three, only a three-yard gain on first, first and ten, as opposed to you know, a, a six-yard gain. You know, at the, you know, not all tackles are created equally. And so that's another area where pro football focus, you know, separates it from the stat box score. You know, you look at the 114 tackles a guy had, not all of those mean any, I mean everything. So right. uh, that's, that's where Showbert really shone. And Kirksey was struggled a little bit more than, than what Showbert did. Um, part of that, I think is, you know, they, they're adjusting to a new scheme and he's a guy that usually plays really well in against the run and then covered, but uh he, his play was more so of the of the downfield tackles he had he still had a, a quite a few snaps, run stops but he was a guy that uh often got blocked at the second level quite often
2: john um give us one linebacker who's not going to be on the team next year
1: um bj bello i'm it, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a it's a position that i think uh, I think moving forward, you obviously have Schobert, Kirksey, and Collins. And yeah. those are your three guys that you can really rely on. I think um, uh, J- James Burgess, you know, he he played well in spurts, but at the same time, over the course of the year, you know, what we're looking at is consistency. He wasn't consistent. He had a number of bad games. Uh, he, and so, I think he's a guy that he's going to be on a roster bubble next year. So, he's a guy that might not be on a team. And he's a guy that played a lot of snaps, obviously, every snap that uh, Collins wasn't in there for. So, uh, he's a guy that might not be in the team for, you know, somebody that's actually, uh, on the depth chart.
0: Man, I don't know if you heard any of these, but Burgess, I agree. He shouldn't be on the roster, but man, Greg Williams seems to love him. He singled him out multiple times in press conferences. Just strange to me, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, coaches will always defend their players. I know that the Browns coaches, you know, they're sometimes through players <laughs> under the bus or whatever. But, the bus, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, your coaches are going to have the players back. And and that's just yeah. the case with, with should be the case with every player. And, um, and you know, they, there's always motivational tactics and stuff like that. And, and for he was thrust he's not a guy that you'd expect to play in a full-time position like that. So what he was able to do and and he played well in spurts and hadn't, you know, made a number of, of stops and, um, you know, make, you know, create a lot of pressure when they asked him to r- rush the passer. You know, I mean, what he was able to do and not expected ever to see more than probably a hundred snaps this year, he saw 646. So um, yeah, I mean, you commend the guy for being able to do that, I guess.
2: Yep. Uh, let's, let's move on to our, our defensive backfield. Uh, one of the more enigm- enigmatic positions with our free safeties playing so far back, uh, John, how did our Defensive backs grade. Were we league average? Were we below? I mean, how, how are we staying right now?
1: So it's a mixed bag. So you have um, Jason McCourty who who played really well up until week 10, week 12, and then kind of dropped off a cliff and then came back up. Because he was a guy that was grading in the top five in PFF grades for for a number of weeks there. Um, and then against Cincinnati, the second game against Cincinnati, it just really came off of a, of a cliff. They he, yeah. kept, he just started allowing – uh, a lot of passes underneath to, to go for bigger games than he had usually at loud. So, um, but McCourty at the end of the year still graded really well. Uh, you look at also Brianne Body Calhoun as a guy that's been really strong as a, as a hybrid slot safety type guy for them, uh, graded extremely well. Uh, it was 21st overall in cornerback in grades. Uh, but then you look at the rest of it, Jamar Taylor had an up and down year. He struggled against elite type of competition. Uh, Was better as the season went along, but still, uh, you know, you gave him that three-year contract before the season, and and you know he he played like a guy that, um, you know, a a slightly bull and at the end of the year, a slightly bull average uh, cornerback. Uh, The rest of the the secondary, Derek Kindred played extremely well as a run defender, but struggled in pass coverage. He was a number uh, eight run defense safety, uh, but fifty-first in in coverage grades. So that's you know, Big is a guy that you have to keep in the box and keep him close to the line of scrimmage and not put him into uh, those coverage situations. Which is a guy that, coming out of college, I I thought would struggle in coverage because he 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 struggled to recognize uh, route concepts in front of him and got and got beat deep quite often. So uh, keep him in a box. He's he's extremely good. He's one of the best run defense safeties in the NFL. Now, when it comes to Peppers, obviously there's a lot would being made about him in the angel position. Um, and I understand why they did it, uh, putting him back there. He's a guy that in college obviously played net like rarely played in free safety, he rarely played ten, 10 yards deep or more. Uh, was always in the box, always around the line of scrimmage type thing. Uh, and so he's a player that you know can play well in that position. Uh, so when they put him deep, um, you know, you look at it in a developmental standpoint. So it's like, Hey, we want you to learn this. You're going to struggle, but we want you to get comfortable being back here because moving forward, he's the guy now that you can move all over the, the, the secondary and be comfortable putting back there as opposed to if you put him in the box and hide him this year in the box and he plays well as a, as a box safety when well, you'd have to put him back there. Cause it's, you always have to put these guys back there. You can't just always hide him. Um, so he's going to have to go back there then you'd be, he'd be uncomfortable. You look at how his season progressed. So in the first you know, first half of the year, he really struggled. He was, he was the second-worst safety in, in the NFL. Uh, but the last eight games of the season, he, he came on really strong. He was 25th best safety, which is you know obviously not, not a top five or anything like that, but it's still good progress. And you just look at two plays that really stick out to me in terms of how much he improved. Uh, I think it was a Jets game where they had that screen pass that went for seventy some yards. He he was playing deep, came out, came up towards it, took a really bad angle, and obviously they they scored. They he missed he missed read it and got blocked out of it. Uh, fast forward to the Bengals game, their second game against the Bengals. Uh, Joe Mixon had a screen pass. It was about the forty yard line. He slow played it, took the right angle, and made a tackle and saved it from being a touchdown. Um, to me, that's just like showing that, hey, he's understanding the angles and he's playing more comfortably back there. So I think moving forward, Peppers is a guy that you can trust to put all over the field.
2: Is cornerback going to be a position that we target early in the draft? Or, I mean, do you see a pretty big shakeup in the defensive backfield moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think that is secondary. However you can just infuse it with more coverage talent, you do yeah. it. And – you do it in free agency and in the draft and you're going to have those opportunities to do. So obviously you look at um, uh, Lamarcus Joyner, who graded as the number three graded safety uh, this year, obviously really familiar with Greg Williams system. And then you also look at Tremaine Johnson too. Uh, another guy that's familiar with Greg Williams system had his two best seasons when he was with Greg Williams, uh, big athletic long guy that you can use in press coverage. So um, if it was, I mean, that's just what you got to do. You just keep confusing with talent. And if one of these guys drops off, that's, that's so be it. You're, you're just got to get better at it because it's still not good enough. Even with, with McCourty, he's obviously getting older. Brian Bodhi is a guy that, you know, you can utilize in, in specific ways. But, uh, yeah, it obviously wasn't good enough. Hmm.
0: Well, let's not forget also we got Howard Wilson. He'll be like a rookie next year. And he's a guy with some ability who missed this whole year.
1: Yep, that's, that is true. He's a guy that did great uh, well in, for us in college, and he has some athleticism too. He's long. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting to see how he will play out. We have no idea. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, it's just if you, you keep infusing it, you're going to have to draft talent. I would definitely uh, attack it uh, twice at least in the draft in terms of for, you know, at least one cornerback, one safety.
2: Is our defensive backfield our weakest unit on defense?
1: You know, I would have to say it's actually the linebackers um, because they—if you look at what how the teams were able to attack the Browns—and that was via the tight end in the middle of the field—and wow. the linebackers yeah, were to those. It. And it's you know, as as good as Schobert improved throughout the year in the in coverage, you still had Kirksey who struggled, and you had Burgess that covered it, who struggled. Collins at the beginning of the year did struggle, but like that's a unit that. I think they weren't they weren't communicating well. You looked at what they were doing. A lot of cover three. It uh, just looked like their their spacing was not quite right. Uh, a lot of open open area in the you know 15 to 20 yards. Obviously, part of that is you know you have the angel position way back deep. But still, it, these guys were they were not communicating well, not spacing correctly. Um, and that's where the, that's where Browns got beat. Is just get against tight ends in the middle of the field. Do you, do you, a- agonizing week after week, the
0: same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Didn't matter who they were playing. Didn't matter the level of tight end they were playing. I don't know if it was uh, you know, linebackers not getting to their depths or what, but, man, every week the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're against a great tight end or a horrible tight end. They ate us alive. Man, oh, man, is that frustrating.
2: Yeah. I, I think that was intentional. The thing that frustrated me was all the dink and dunk into the last three or four weeks of the season that we saw.
1: Yeah, that's another thing too. Is that um, there's a point in, uh, towards the end of the season where I I tweeted out and I uh, the the distance you know from the line of scrimmage, how deep the, the secondary was, and Browns defense was the deepest in the NFL, and their cornerbacks were were deeper than any other cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, it's just so they they were allowing stuff to, to be played underneath, which. Which you know compounds is a compounding issue. So if you if you guys are playing eight yards off the the wide receivers, you can just throw a quick hitch to them uh, and then allow them to make plays. That's also affecting the pass rush. The pass rush has no chance to get to the quarterback uh, because the ball is being thrown in under two seconds. You can't get to the quarterback in in under two seconds. It's almost impossible unless you're Aaron Donald up the middle, and that's why Aaron Donald is so effective because he can beat those offensive linemen so quickly in the interior from the edge you just have no shot
2: yeah cool so uh, if if you were to uh place a bet on who our first signing would be in free agency who would you who would you say that would be
1: oh man i have no idea i would i would say that they should there's there's three players that in terms of the secondary that they should be targeting and that's for me it's Tremaine johnson uh Lamarcus marcus joiner and i think they really should go after kyle fuller from the bears a guy that really came on strong this year especially in the second half of the season had had an absurd number of pass breakups that led the league in that um for if i were to put a bet on it i'd say tremaine johnson and you know what he's also attainable
0: because the rams are going to have some salary cap issues coming up they got guys to resign and they're up against the cap so i think he'll be available yep i
1: agree
2: Well, let's hope he wants to leave L.A. and come live in Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh,
1: He wants wants to slum it with with LeBron James, who doesn't, right? That's true. Exactly.
2: (laughs) That is is true. Hey, John, do they do PFF grades for coaches and stuff like that? Or how do coaches get graded?
1: Uh, We do not. Um, We don't have a method for grading it, but it's – yeah, that's not. It's. I know there's a website out there that does do that. Who knows what their method is, but yeah, we don't. We don't do like uh, game game clock, game clock management type stuff. We we don't grade that.
2: Like successful Certainly, challenges, timeouts left. Like how many first downs, how many third down conversions. Like I feel like there's definitely like a.
1: So the, I mean, we have we chart all the the third down conversions and that type of stuff. But in terms of like grading the coaching, where you'd say, well, the, the scheme blew it on this one. Yeah we don't we don't actually do that. Um I guess to, over the course of the season there's prob you know you could probably crunch the numbers and go oh, they allowed ex- more than expected uh based on the grades of a player or whatever they yeah. you know the grade. we could probably crunch it that way but yeah we don't we don't specifically you know chart hey yeah they they blew it with this scheme because of you know this situation,
2: like which coach has the better coin toss percentage? Which coach? <laughs> owns, like all that stuff.
0: <laughs> there was a season where the Browns lost thirteen coin tosses. True story.
1: I believe it.
0: <laughs> How do you lose thirteen coin tosses? <laughs> That's crazy.
1: That's crazy. But yeah, eventually I think we're going to have a, a system where it, that we we do chart that. So uh, it's just not there yet. I think we want to be able to provide that information to NFL teams because we do have thirty of the the teams as clients and. Uh, I guess some of them are asking for that.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right. So who was our highest graded player and who was our lowest graded player?
1: Well, uh, for defense, it, our highest graded player was Miles Garrett. Uh, he graded at an 88.4, which is the 12th best edge defender in the NFL. Um, you look at our lowest on defense and that was uh, Jamie Collins uh, at 35.9. He's, mm. he, other than that, one interception where he had on his last play of the of the season, uh, he was, he quite didn't have the impact that you would want out of out of that position.
2: What ab- what about on offense? Our highest and lowest.
1: Well, that would be Joe Thomas on offense. Uh, he graded a, He was graded as the, the, the before injury was number one left tackle uh, in pass blocking and overall. Uh, by the end of the season, you know, the more snaps you play, the higher your potential can get for a grade. And he ended up being the fourth overall there. Uh, on, on the lowest graded side of it, uh, you can look at Danny Vitale, which as a fullback, but let's look at a guy that actually played more than 100 snaps, and that was Ricardo Lewis uh, graded as a 41.4. Uh, the 114th worst, or 114th best, uh, I don't I, I
2: don't. There you go, that sounds better. <laughs> <but> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, right, more. so like, like the, the, third, the third worst wide receiver in the NFL, essentially.
2: Mm. And, you know, I I feel like Advanced analytics are just proving things that we see on the field that we like recognize and that we have a gut feeling. Like, obviously, we feel like Joe Thomas is our best player. Obviously, th- there's a huge difference in talent between Miles Garrett and anyone else in our defense. It's just nice to see that our eyes don't lie, that, that some of this is you know, fairly yeah. simple to look at. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just, you know, we get. Um you know when I talk about this type of stuff on on Twitter, i I do try to spin it in a positive light because i'm not I'm not here to 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 criticize and and slam players and stuff like that and or even on when i I go on to Cleveland Browns daily and I have that weekly radio show, um, I always try to spin things in a positive light because you need, this organization and fan base needs some type of hope hey, where, of what's going right.
2: We we're so, right with
1: you, man. But, but the thing is when at the end of the day, there are a number of players that are graded extremely well for the Browns, uh, you know, at a at a very good or higher level. Uh, but there's there's still a number of roster holes. Uh, obviously, the wide receiver group, uh, the tight end struggle in, in run blocking, though with David Njoku, who who really came out strong as a run blocker towards the end of the season. Um, and then you know, look at just on the defensive side of things, they struggle as a coverage unit, and we all know that. And so our grades show. Show that for the majority of the players, there are pieces there that do grade well. But for the majority of the unit, it's all like I know we have our our colors here. It's all red or a shade of a a lighter shade of red uh, for them. So it's 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 tough, you know. It's but I try to spin it in a positive light.
2: So John, before we wrap up here, one final question: Uh, What is one stat you can give us that'll just blow blow our minds, blow us away, man?
1: Yeah. So you look at what we've been able to do for a number of years at Pro Football Focus, one of the things that we chart for uh, quarterbacks is yards per cover snap, which is a simple stat of like every time he's out on the field and in a passing play, how many yards is he get up, regardless if he's targeted or not. Um, and Brian Bell, body Calhoun was the third best in the NFL this year up until the last game of the season where he, he gave up a couple yards. Uh, he allowed 0.46 yards per cover snap uh, for the entire season, which was third best of any position, uh, you know, slot cornerback or outside cornerback, uh, in the NFL. Um, and that's, I mean, that's, that's a stat that we, you just look at and it's like, that's fantastic. It was up until the last game of the season, he was at point three eight, which the PFF era record was point three six. So he was that close from having a PFF oh. era record. Wow. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. I know you're a busy man and we appreciate you. Uh, Where can we find you on Twitter? What, what do you like to promote dude? Let's, let's get some traffic your way.
1: Yeah. So uh, at PFF underscore John Costco, that's K O S K O. Um, I tweet all Browns, NFL, college stuff, whatever you want. Uh, Today I'm going to be writing an article that's going to be posting up tomorrow um, about the Browns and their direction and free agency. Uh, so be, be tuned to that. I'll tweet that out. Um, and then also we have, you know, if you go over to pro football focus, we have a number of different packages that you can, you can purchase from us, which if you get the edge package, which is only $40, then I can also tweet out a $10 discount for you. Um, so $30 and you'd be getting our player grades, which is, you know, the, you know, the cream of the crop of what we do. Um, and then, but at the same time, you're going to get a free agency guide, which has every available free agent in there, all their advanced stats that you could look at. Uh, we have our QB annual in there. So you want to look at every single QB that played this year and their advanced stats, even more so than what you used to be able to get with our signature stats uh, package. And then also uh, here in a couple of weeks, we'll have our draft guide be our first issue of that. And that will continue to be updated up until the draft. So. Those products alone would be well worth their, your $30 with my discount.
2: Sounds great. John, thank you so much. We'll be sure to retweet that link. We're recording us on a Monday afternoon. The, the, your article is dropping tomorrow, February 6th on a Tuesday, correct? That is correct. All right. We'll, we'll make sure to retweet that. Jeremy, you have any final thoughts, man? No, oh, John, just thanks a lot,
0: man. You know, that was really awesome. I really uh, am impressed by your work and it's just thank you so much for coming on with us. Yeah.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I enjoy following you on Twitter. Uh, it's always it's always a good time. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's always know, interesting, no matter <laughs> what the topic is. You know, right? So uh, it, might, it might it might be a mess, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, even, even if you if you don't agree with whatever everything, but it's still a, a fun fun follow. Um, you know, one one last thing too. I. I tweeted out uh, at the end of December that I was uh, I would jump in Lake Bemidji in the middle of January if Sam Darnold declared for the draft. Um, Well, he declared because my source, my I didn't I didn't fail to go to my source and get an update from him uh, in the month of December, and so I will be. I didn't do it in January because I thought the reason why I said January is because we have this in Bemidji, Minnesota, where I live. A polar plunge where you jump into the Lake Bemidji. Uh, this is actually happening on Saturday, this coming Saturday. Woo. And I, I, on my Twitter page, you can see that I've tweeted out something that I'm going to be doing this, and I'm actually going to be jumping. Uh, this they, what they do is they donate any proceeds they have to a couple different charities. So um, please check that out, uh, even if it's just a couple bucks to go towards these charities. One of them's for. Uh, battered women and others for uh, you know sexual abuse uh, uh, awareness so that you can prevent prevent that so really two really good causes um, you know a little bit goes a long ways on that so i um, will be doing it on, on on saturday and i'll actually do it live on on video
2: That'll be great. Well worth it. We'll make sure to donate some money for the Orangers, Oranger Browns here. We'll make sure to do that. Uh, we, want, we do Absolutely. want to thank uh, Pro Football Focus for partnering with us. want to thank John Costco for his time today. want to thank our listeners like you for making all of this possible. You can follow us on Twitter, Oranges, Oranger. You can email us. Find us on any podcast platform. We do want to mention one other thing. If you leave us a review on iTunes, uh, our goal is to reach 75 reviews by dra- by draft day. And in the review, if you leave your Twitter handle, You'll be entered into a drawing for a $25 Amazon gift card. Thank you for listening. John, thanks again, man. Thank you, guys. It was you guys fun. Have a
0: great week. Thanks. See you. Thanks, John. Great stuff, buddy. Thank you.